Welcome to the Visegrad Inside podcast from Central Europe on Central Europe. It's September the 1st, 2021. We are in Warsaw and it's a big day today for kids all over Poland. It's the first day of school. My name is Marysia Ciupka and it is not the first day of school for me, unfortunately. Or maybe actually fortunately as the situation in the schools that the students are coming back to leaves a lot to be desired. Uh, first of all, PIS is proposing a new package of education system related reforms that will be voted on in September. And that reform package includes greater control over what's going on in schools by regional education ministers who are appointed by the Ministry of Education at the cost of school principals. In practice, these reforms curb the powers of school principals, making it way easier to get sacked by the ministry officers and restrict uh, the authority of the school principals over what what kinds of non-governmental organizations can uh, lead activities in schools. So in practical terms, it means that school principals will feel more threatened to make choices about their schools that could benefit the students and the local communities. So protests against these reforms happen in front of schools all over Poland today under the slogan of Wolna Szkoła, Free Schools. And as the centralization of the school system progresses under law and justice government, the system is seriously struggling with shortages of teachers, mostly due to extremely low teacher salaries. And here we can make a smooth transition from shortages of teachers to shortages of energy. So next to discussions on Nord Stream, there is a lot of talk about gas shortages in Europe, as well as rising gas prices, something that has been felt pretty strongly by consumers all over Europe. And also record profits made by Gazprom, Russia's national gas company. So basically, the current situation on the gas market in Europe is caused by the growing demand for raw material. In connection with A, recovering economies after the pandemic, B, implementation of more ambitious climate policy, and C, changes occurring in global and regional markets. So the prices of the raw material in Asia are more attractive There's also difficulties when it comes to attracting sufficient supplies of LNG to the EU market. And there's a slowdown when it comes to the rate of growth of the raw material production in the world. All of this combined contributes to the fact that the average filling of storage facilities in Europe is, as for this time of the year, very low. Meanwhile, Gazprom earnings over the last year have more than tripled. And I wanted to ask about that Wojciech Jakubik, energy analyst and editor-in-chief of Business Alert, a website and online magazine devoted to energy and security. Wojtek, what is the connection between gas shortages in Europe and record earnings by Gazprom? And how is Russia benefiting from gas shortages in our region? 
There are several ways we can interpret what Gazprom is doing. One is market way of interpreting things. And in this interpretation, Gazprom is maximizing its earnings coming from selling natural gas with the highest price in history. And it is not a good interpretation for Gazprom because it is shown as underlying partner, which is uh, earning money at the expense of its customers. And it is not the best uh, description for a, a partner. So it's another argument to look elsewhere for natural gas and to diversify away from Russia, which is providing over one third of natural gas to European Union. The other explanation is security oriented and it says that Gazprom is only a tool of foreign policy of Kremlin, which is putting pressure on European companies, on European pockets. So the price is that high that Americans uh, and European Commission cannot stop Nord Stream 2. And in spite of EU regulations, in spite of American sanctions, the project will start this autumn. Gazprom is informing that it is willing to export natural gas this autumn using Nord Stream 2 already. So it is a way of putting pressure. Another argument to not to be reliant on natural gas from Russia because it brings political negative consequences. And when speaking of gas and Gazprom, it's hard not to mention Nord Stream, which is about to be completed in, in just a matter of days. And when speaking about Nord Stream, it's hard not to mention today's meeting of Biden and Zelensky in Washington. It was the first Ukraine's president's visit to D.C. in four years. And of course, the covered topics included predominantly military and humanitarian aid package for Ukraine, Russia-Ukraine relations and the prospect of Ukraine joining NATO. However, Numerous analysts and commentators, and uh, see an article in NYT for reference on that note, were raising the issue of Nord Stream 2 in the context of Biden-Zelensky meeting. So what were the hopes and expectations for today's meeting in terms of Ukraine's uh, stance on Nord Stream 2 and the fact that the US gave Nord Stream a green light earlier this year? Ukrainian side expected US to intervene in Nord Stream 2 project by imposing new sanctions that would hamper the construction or uh, in a less optimistic scenario, hamper the gas deliveries through Nord Stream 2. And uh, already existing sanctions are prohibiting uh, insurance and certification, technical certification of Nord Stream 2. So there is a long way from the uh, finalization of construction process, which might happen in September until the deliveries start. So there is an opportunity that Nord Stream 2 project will be limited, at least limited by US. But of course, uh, Ukrainians aimed at stopping Nord Stream 2 and it's not sure if Americans are likely to follow. Nord Stream 2 is perceived as a security threat to Ukraine and Poland. And I wonder what is the connection between what Gazprom is doing currently and Nord Stream and the ongoing conversations about Nord Stream, Zelensky-Biden meeting, and the criticism of uh, that project in terms of 
regional security concerns. In spite of big spike of gas prices in Europe, Gazprom is not increasing gas deliveries to Ukraine. It is rather pumping down the gas storage facilities in Western Europe, in Germany, Netherlands and Austria. It is an extraordinary behavior that is uh, creating a risk of gas shortages this heating season that is starting on November. And by doing so, Gazprom is showing to Europe that the only way to decrease the gas prices is to start Nord Stream 2 no matter what, no matter that it needs to follow EU regulations and that takes money and time from Russians, no matter that American sanctions are prohibiting insurance and certification, technical certification of Nord Stream 2. Uh, it is a failure complete policy. Once again, Kremlin is using Gazprom for its own hostile foreign policy goals. And that is why we need to counter this threat and treat Nord Stream 2 not as an economic pro we shouldn't treat Nord Stream 2 as an economic project. It is a gas weapon and it is being used already. And that is an argument to use US-Germany uh, agreement on Nord Stream 2 to rather punish Russia for what it is doing, to give some support to Ukraine and other countries in the region like Poland, and not to cooperate with Gazprom, which is not a reliant partner. It is a tool of hostile Kremlin policy against Europe and whole West. We're moving to uh, the border of Belarus and Poland, where the situation with the migrants is developing. Uh, with President Andrzej Duda about to sign the emergency, the introduction of the emergency state in the regions that are bordering Belarus. And to find out more about the legal implications of the situations, I spoke to Marta Gorczyńska, a human rights lawyer. So, Marta, you've been following the situation for the past few weeks. So... What is going on there and what is the situation from the point of view of international law at the border of Poland and Belarus? So what is happening right now at the border is um, that uh, there are a lot of migrants reaching eastern borders of Poland coming from the direction of Belarus. Uh, among them, there are mostly Afghans and Iraqis, but also people coming from other countries. Most of them are being illegally pushed back to Belarus by, by Polish border guards with no legal proceedings being launched. Um, Polish NGOs and journalists are collecting more and more evidences that what is happening uh, at the Polish-Belarusian border right now uh, are illegal pushbacks of people despite them requesting asylum in Poland. Uh, they're not only denied access to asylum proceedings, but also to legal and medical assistance. Um, there are a lot of uh, NGO workers, journalists, uh, activists working on the ground right now in the eastern parts of Poland, uh, and they're collecting uh, uh, evidences and uh, very disturbing testimonies of people who were repeatedly pushed back from Poland to Belarus in the middle of the night and left somewhere in the forest uh, in the border zone. Uh, there are also testimonies of people who say that uh, Belarusian authorities are 
pushing them out of their territory and they're not letting them in or even forcing them to cross the border with Poland again and again. And once they reach Poland, Polish border guards are pushing them back to Belarus. Uh, at the same time, uh, one of such groups uh, consisting of 32 people from Afghanistan, among whom are also women and minors, is stuck for already three weeks now in Usnaż Górny, which is a village at the Polish-Belarusian border, and they have no access to food, proper shelter, or medical assistance. Uh, despite their requesting Polish authorities for asylum, uh, they're not being let in. Uh, they're surrounded uh, by Polish border guards on one side and also by soldiers and the police, which is making sure that nobody can go anywhere nearby, and by Belarusian forces on the other side. So they're stuck between uh, Polish and Belarus, and they have no access um, uh, to neither of these countries. The, the, the weather is getting worse and worse. It's getting cold each night uh, and these people require um, shelter, require medical assistance because some of them are already sick and uh, nobody's nobody, uh, like neither Poland nor Belarus is providing them this kind of assistance. Um, a lot of uh, NGOs and uh, activists and journalists are trying to monitor the situation there in Usnaż Górny, but everybody's is denied access to these people. Uh, and this situation is going on for around three weeks now. Uh, in the meantime, the uh, European Court of Human Rights uh, ordered Poland to provide these people with, uh, with uh, essential assistance, such as providing them food and shelter and, uh, and medical aid. But this, um, uh, this uh, interim measure that was issued was ignored by Polish uh, authorities, uh, which are uh, claiming that these people are not on the Polish territory, they're still in Belarus, and uh, because of that, they can they cannot uh, provide them with this kind of assistance. Uh, we know that this is not entirely true. The uh, the, the 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 evidences show that uh, these people have already crossed the border with Poland, and they were pushed back to the Belarusian territory by Polish authorities. And right now they're somewhere in the middle. So part of their little camp is on the Polish side and part of it is on the Belarusian side. And um, the situation is getting worse and worse each day. Uh, there were a lot of people that came to the to the to the place to Usnaż Górne to provide them assistance. There were also some politicians that were trying to intervene, uh, Polish ombudsman office and and so on, and nobody was uh, uh, led to to uh, access these people and to provide them with uh, with this assistance. What has been the response of the Polish government to the crisis? Polish government is obviously denying these accusations uh, of conducting illegal pushbacks at the Polish-Belarusian border. Uh, they are saying that what is happening is um, Lukashenko sending uh, uh, migrants 
two Polish borders and Polish border guards are just uh, um, preventing preventing uh, illegal crossings or uh, returning these people who have successfully crossed the border in the irregular manner. Um, and um, despite the fact that we know that uh, it might be part of the political agenda of Lukashenko's regime, what is happening right now uh, at the border of Poland, but also Latvia and Lithuania, we also see that uh, Polish government is not responding to this crisis um in the way they should. So uh, we have, uh, like I mentioned before, evidences that uh, that uh, that people are being pushed back in the illegal way, uh, without legal proceedings, without being um, uh, granted access to lawyers, to medical assistance if they require. And also what is very disturbing is that these people are being um, left somewhere in the middle of the forest, which is a very difficult forest to, 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 to navigate uh, through. Uh, it's very dense, it's very cold right now and uh, some of these people coming to Poland uh, are families with children or elder people that um, that are getting lost in these forests, being sent either by, by Belarusian forces to Poland or by Polish forces back to Belarus. Uh, when it comes to Usnaz Górne and the situation there, Polish government is saying that these people are still on the Belarusian side. They they have never reached Polish territory, so Poli Poland have uh, has no responsibility to provide them any kind of assistance. Uh, border guards uh, that are um uh, well um guarding these people or actually preventing other people from the outside to reach them are there to prevent their illegal entry that's the the official statement of the government that's what the government is saying uh but polish government is ignoring at the same time that uh, these people are requesting for international protection so since the moment they got to this border they requested for asylum. There are recordings of them asking for asylum in front of Polish officers. Uh, there are reports of Polish ombudsman who was able to access the uh, these people camping uh, on the Polish-Belarusian border, uh, which prove that, um, that they're asylum seekers, asylum seekers from Afghanistan uh, who had to flee uh, their country and they're asking for protection in Poland because they believe they cannot uh, be granted such uh, effective protection in Belarus. And seeing what's happening right now in Belarus, especially taking into account how people are being forced to go to Polish border or how they're treated by by, Pol by Belarusian forces, um, it is very likely that they cannot... Uh, um, be granted any kind of uh, international protection in Belarus. And, uh, and uh, we also know that asylum system is, is in Belarus is in general not an effective one. Uh, so, uh, Polish government is ignoring huge problem there. The, the, the big numbers of people that are coming to Polish border to request asylum. Uh, they are treating all of them as illegal migrants, as people who have no right to enter Poland. Uh, and, 
um, and uh, that's the reason the government is using to to push these people back. And there are also a lot of forces uh, um, right now sent to the border, like uh, military forces, Polish soldiers, uh, the police, the border guards, and they are um, they are um, finding. Uh, some of these uh, people in the forest uh, right after they cross the border and uh, without launching legal proceedings, without uh, ha giving these people the right to apply for asylum, they're just sending them back to Belarus, sometimes even few times. So um, we have testimonies of people who told us that they were trying to uh, to apply for asylum on the Polish side for a few times and each time uh, their requests were ignored. They were um, taken to the to the cars of the Polish border guards and and left somewhere in the middle of the of the forest uh, on the at the border. Uh, so uh, the the response of Polish government, I would say right now, is to ignore the fact that uh, that we're dealing with uh, asylum seekers, at least some of these people are asylum seekers that want to seek asylum in Poland. And um, the government is instead treating all these people as illegal migrants who are trying to illegally uh, reach the territory of Poland. So, um, so we have to defend our territory and we have to send all the forces, we have to build the wall or put the barbed wire there to prevent illegal entries. Um, so that's how the situation looks uh, like uh, right now. We also know, because it was announced yesterday, that the government is right now thinking about or actually already have um, submitted the request to Polish president to introduce the state of emergency at the border zone, which would um, have far-reaching consequences, especially for uh, NGO workers and uh, journalists that are uh, on the ground, that are um, uh, trying to document the situation there and provide people who uh, reached Polish territory with essential assistance such as um, food or medical aid or uh, providing them with legal assistance. Why does the Polish government want to introduce the emergency state at the border? And what does that entail for the situation of the migrants who are stuck there? According to Polish constitution, in the case of threats to the constitutional order of Poland, the security of citizens or public order, the president of uh, Poland may uh, upon the request of the Council of Ministers introduced the state of emergency. Uh, it was announced yesterday um, uh, by the government that they submitted such request to the president uh, justifying it by the uh, current migration situation uh, that Poland is dealing with at its eastern borders and also by the military drills uh, that are planned uh, for this month uh, uh, on the Belarusian side. So there will be military drills of joint uh, Belarusian and Russian forces, which will take place near the Polish border. So this was the official um, explanation given by the government. Uh, but I would say that the current situation that 
we are dealing with does not justify uh, introducing such uh, such exceptional measure. Uh, there is no uh, threat to the public order, uh, nor to the security of citizens. Um, uh, as I explained before, um, there are uh, obviously bigger than usual numbers of migrants trying to reach Polish territory or reaching Polish territory, but most of them are being pushed back in the illegal manner by Polish um, uh, border guards to the Belarusian side. Uh, there is this group of Afghan uh, asylum seekers stuck uh, between Belarusian and uh, Polish border guard uh, um, uh, officers, but their situation has not changed in the last uh, three weeks. So, um, we are uh, concerned that uh, that the government is using uh, this situation as an excuse uh, to restrict uh, some of the rights and liberties, especially to um, to uh, to not allow NGO workers or activists or journalists to access the place where these illegal pushbacks are taking place. Because uh, according to the law on the state of emergency, uh, uh, when such state of emergency is introduced, uh, certain rights might be restricting, uh, restricted, including the uh, right to assembly, uh, but also the right to access public information, uh, the right to, um, to, to, to move freely uh, in the certain areas. So this uh, regulation, once it's uh, introduced, we'll see what kind of restrictions are, are, are there. Uh, but uh, we are afraid that uh, the government might restrict um, the access to certain border zones, uh, which will mean that, uh, that journalists and NGOs will not be, uh, allowed to access and document what's happening there. Uh, so these pushbacks are taking place right now, and at least some of them are documented, uh, documented, um, might be happening soon with no witnesses. The situation on the border is definitely one that we will continue to report on. And thanks to Marta and Wojtek for bringing us closer to these stories and helping us understand them better. Thanks for tuning in and don't forget to check out recent stories on visigridinside.eu, such as the one by Aleksander Katorowski on the future of Babish in Czechia. Subscribe and until next week. Thank you.